All right, everyone, welcome to episode 162 of the Jesus Famous podcast. Our podcast exists to see Jesus honored, glorified, loved, esteemed, appreciated, adored, revered, and followed Jesus Famous in your everyday life. By the way, that's what we're about here in this church, Jesus Famous. And I talk about it all the time, but I think sometimes what people think I mean by that is that we are going to go big and we're going to make everybody know about Jesus. We, we would love that. But what I mean first is that to you personally in your life, he becomes honored, glorified, loved, esteemed, appreciated, adored, revered, and followed. That he becomes famous to you. That he blows you up and then it impacts your sphere and beyond. So we're having these conversations here on the Jesus Famous Podcast to try to push forward that longing, that vision, and that heart. Uh, you guys probably know me already, but I'm Nate Holdridge, and uh, the pastor. I'm the pastor at Calvary Monterey on California's Central Coast, and uh, I just love chatting about Jesus Famous. I'm excited about uh, today's episode. Uh, today, I'm going to have Janine Staten with me in the studio, and uh, Janine is really one of my favorites. I'm sure I say that about everybody that I invite into the studio, but uh, Janine has been on our staff for how many years now has it been that you've been on our staff? Okay, so I've been attending the church since 2013, but I've only been on staff since 2020. Yeah, she came on board right in the middle of COVID and she was just a rock star immediately and just connected with everybody, synced right up and in, but also brought lots of fresh insights and vision to the church and she's ascended really quickly into our leadership ranks and uh, one of the big things that janine does the main thing that she does here on our staff is she's our director of our life groups ministry uh, she also oversees our growth groups ministry and she does about a thousand other little things both for the church and outside of the church that are all in the name of jesus and uh, i really admire her so we're going to talk today about the importance of christian community being together and knowing one another and how to develop that in the local church. So to me, this episode is going to be great for people who um, need a vision for what Christian community is, looks like, the purpose, the vision behind it, the, the, the theological motivations for it, like why is this part of the Christian life, but also I think secondarily helpful for people who are in church leadership, who are trying to figure out how to um, administrate is probably too weak of a word, but administrate, lead, cultivate, um, design forms of community in their local church uh, context. So we're going to get into some stats probably today about our church and, and uh, how we're doing when it comes to getting people involved in our groups. Hopefully also some stories about different things that the Lord is doing. So I can't wait to have this uh, little chat. And uh, before we get started, just a couple of announcements to mention to you. A few months ago, we went through the book of Jonah together as a church, and uh, I received a lot of positive feedback from people. It was um, just a refreshing, uh, at least for me, take or look at the book of Jonah, just thinking about um, you know the times that we're in and how we want to be a people who are accurately reflecting who God is in a lost and broken world that we live in. You know, this is a wild time that we're in as Christians and we want to accurate, accurately reflect Jesus. We don't want to go off the rails and become extreme in only one area where we misrepresent the Lord in other areas. 
And uh, the book of Jonah, I think, was helpful to that. And the reason I'm mentioning that to you today is because we took those teachings and uh, I, we put them in a book form, and that's now released. So wherever you buy books, you can buy uh, that book on the book of Jonah uh, in ebook version or uh, in print, if that's your uh, preference. They're real cheap. Uh, so go ahead and uh, pick one up if you'd like to. And the second thing I just want to remind you of is our Through the Bible podcast. So if you're looking to uh, go a little bit deeper or just to supplement your morning Bible study, your morning Bible reading, uh, let's say you're, I've got my Bible open on the desk in front of me right now. Let's say you're reading the book of Acts in your quiet time. Um, you might want to listen to our Through the Bible teaching through the book of Acts and just kind of familiarize yourself to a greater degree with that passage of scripture, maybe on your commute or while you're exercising or mowing the lawn or whatever. So you can just look up Nate Holdridge and Acts and uh, wherever you get podcasts and you can get it there or you go to nateholdridge.com and we've got them all there, little players, download buttons, everything like that for you. So just wanted to remind you of that. I don't have every book of the Bible out there yet, but one day I will, uh, but plenty of material for you to, to get into the word a little bit more. All right. Thanks for listening to those promotions and announcements. Welcome to the Jesus Famous Podcast, Janine. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I mean, do you, do you feel like you've finally, you've made it? Like this is... Oh yeah, I'm is, in the club now. You're in the it's club. It's legit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you got you got Manny, you got Matt Kay. I'm trying to think, have we had Jeff Buck on the show yet? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty huge. If you're, you're in and Jeff's not even in yet, I know he's on the schedule. We got him coming mm. in a few weeks. He's going to be recording an episode with me on... Um, parenting adult children. Oh, I think it's going to be a fascinating, news. yeah, yes. fascinating episode. I think a lot of us need help with that. But so, Janine, you you started here in 2020 and have been coming to the church since you said 2013. Yeah, yeah. I remember sitting with your husband Sam mm -hmm. before he was your husband, having a dinner together, and he is like, he made mac and cheese, didn't he not? What's that? He made mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think he brought it over to my house. And uh, he said, I'm, I'm really serious about this girl. I'm really serious <laughs> about her. her name's Janine. He told me all about you. And uh, I was trying to encourage him in that direction. I'm like, it sounds like you got a winner, man. <laughs> yeah, he you sure to, did. You need to reel her in. <laughs> well, good. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> So you guys have been married for a number of years now, and it just seems like the Lord is uh, blessing you. I just love your heart and passion for serving Jesus. I mean, you're, you're kind of all over the place. You're doing stuff with our young adult ministry. You're doing stuff with some local uh, parachurch organizations that we support and admire as a church, and you're involved with the groups. Does it ever get overwhelming? the ministry with the groups i mean it's just so much there's so many moving parts i mean we have 40 plus groups at this point in the church plus the discipleship groups which are separate and extra from that um it's just it's a lot of people that are in contact with you and that you're leading as ever feel a little much that's a great question we actually have about 35 groups at okay. this point my goal was 40 though so that's probably where got you it. got it in your mind i was like guys we can get to 40 we can and we were really close but um 
It does. I think part of why it feels so overwhelming is I just have such this great desire to see everybody in them. Mm. <laughs> right. So I totally. just want to do everything that I can to meet everybody where they're at and make that next step possible for them. Mm. So um, sometimes that can feel a little overwhelming, but I think it also is like really motivating and just yeah. fuels me in yeah. the work that I do. Like God wants everybody to be able to be in community in his church. And so if I can do everything I can to help make that happen, like what a privilege and an honor and a blessing. Yeah. Amen. I, I want you to, I want you to flesh that out a little bit more you know, the like why community, why, why is that important in God's sight? And what is the biblical, you know, motivation for it? I'd love to have you flesh that out a little bit, but before you do, and as you're thinking about that, I mean, what you're saying about the the pressure that you feel, you know, I think that's probably the biblical the biblical word for it is the word burden. You know, God gives us burdens, and uh, sometimes those burdens are for a period of time. You know, like He's this is a, a mission or a, an objective that God has put on my plate, and so I have this burden. Um, and then sometimes a burden lasts an entire life. And so you'll figure out, I'm sure as time goes on, whether this is a lifelong burden, I'm sure you'll always wish for people to be in Christian community though. But, um, why is that, uh, what is Christian community? What's the biblical definition definition of it? Why is it so important in God's sight? Yeah, it's so important because it's how one of the major ways that he moves. If you read the Bible from Genesis through Revelation, he is working through his people. Mm. Like the Bible is his story about what he's doing in and through his people. Mm. Um, From the story of creation, right? Where he creates, man says it's not good for him to be alone. And so he creates a second, he creates community. Mm. And then when fast forward through to Abraham and his family and promising that he would be the father of many nations. Mm. Now there we're talking about family, but I think that parallel is important, right? To the type of Christian community that we want to experience. Yes. Um, And then moving through into the New Testament, right? Where we get to Jesus ministry on earth and how he chooses his disciples, his leaders of the early church Mm. and the movement that they can start. I mean, it's just the narrative woven through the whole Bible. Yes. So if it's that important to God to characterize from beginning to end of his story, then I want it to be a part of my story. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I just, I, I'm, I want to like give you a high five right now because that was, I love that answer. I mean, it's just sparking up in me like, um, the, the, just the concept of those thinking of those disciples and how they were invited by Jesus into this community. I mean, they were discipled of course, by what he said and, um, you know, the, the teachings that he gave to them, that was a really important part of it, but just being with him, being in community together, all the arguments they got into the disputes, they had the discussions that they had so many of the things, of course, that we're not exposed to. We don't have the written record of every single day of their life with Jesus, but he was shaping them as they were together. It wasn't Jesus spending one-on-one time with 12 different men. It was Jesus spending time with 12 men at the same time and they were shaping each other. So I just love that, 
vision. That's beautiful. You know, for me, when I became the pastor of the church here back in 2008, we didn't really have uh, very many groups at that time. Uh, We'd had a very strong and robust um, midweek church service, which I love those. I kind of grew up on those and really like it kind of accelerated my Bible learning in a lot of ways. Um, And then we had a very strong um, home fellowship ministry for a number of years. And home fellowships were kind of like many churches in that the home fellowship leaders were trained in hermeneutics or inductive Bible study. And they'd take a passage of scripture and they would discuss it as a group. And I think a lot of times those leaders, though wanting to lead a discussion, would often end up, you know, teaching maybe just for little segments of time or whatever. And some of them would just give a full on Bible study. Everybody would listen and it'd be like a miniature church service, a little worship uh, time, a little prayer time and a little Bible study. So kind of like a lower quality Sunday gathering. Um, And over the years, those began to kind of diminish. It's a, you know, it's a lot of work to raise up somebody to lead a group like that. You know, to me, I'd rather pour into somebody like that so they can go be a pastor and go have their own church rather than, you know, have all these individual groups. And what we started realizing was as they dwindled down, we realized such a small percentage of our church is in community with each other. And I wanted that so badly. I did not look around and say to myself, what is a model for church growth that will help us. Uh, Now there's plenty of research and books out there that will suggest that small groups are a model for church growth. But the, the thing that moved me was being on our church patio after services on Sunday and seeing how people didn't know each other and that they were just leaving the facility, leaving the gathering and not really in community with each other. And so I just wanted to see it explode. I wanted to see it it spread because I believed that like a new parent is probably going to learn about parenting so much better by being in a small group with other people talking about parenting and their struggles and difficulties than just going to one seminar one weekend. I think those can be helpful. They're a piece of the puzzle, but not the whole thing. We've got a life group. Actually, it makes me think about about we've got a life group where within the last I think it's the last two years or the last three quarters at least that children have been born every quarter. And so this young married couples group that once was without children now is raising their children together, right? And their group has shifted slightly and meeting times and dates and all that logistics changed, right? But the people haven't. And Mm -hmm. so they've been learning and growing and moving alongside each other. And they just testify to the beauty that's in that, the strength Mm -hmm. um, that they get from the Lord and from each other in that, the accountability, um, just the vulnerability and, you know, support they they get from each other. Sometimes just the raw help that they give to each other, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's that's special. Yeah, because you go into different stages of life and you you don't really know how to do it or what to expect. And to see other people up close and personal is so helpful. So you were sharing kind of a biblical definition of, um, of community. Are there any passages like in the New Testament that to you are like, man, when I, when I think about what I'd love to see happen in our groups or I think about 
where they fit within our local church, this is a passage that really stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think about what God was doing when he started the church, right? And he just breathed out the Holy Spirit upon them. And then they were coming together in community in Acts 2. It talks about how they, you know, were coming together and worshiping and praying and sharing all things in common. And then it moves on to the next story. And it's like, wait a minute, this is huge. This Mm -hmm. is like exactly what God wants us to be doing in community with each other. Um, Hebrews also talks about Hebrew 10, like 24 and 25. Let us not uh, forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, right? It's so, so important um, to God and he wants us to be doing it because it makes a difference, right? It changes us to be in community. And um, when I was thinking about actually like if you were to just take any Bible verse, really, I'm going to, I'm going to do it with you today. We're going to take a Bible verse, like second Timothy one, seven, right? Mm-hmm. For God has not given us the spirit okay. of fear, okay. but of power and love and of a sound mind. Mm-hmm. So if you think about reading that verse, so many people like encourage an individual with that verse, like, right. look, you are powerful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But think about it. If we, if we did that in community, right? Like that we do not have the spirit of fear together. We have power and love and sound mind. And I just feel like that we see that in life groups. Like that's where that verse comes to life, you know, where we can be empowered, be loved, have our minds wrapped around the scripture and the truth that God wants us to week after week, right? Yeah, less about me and more about Mm -hmm. us. Mm-hmm. There's a church, I can't remember where, I think it's in Melbourne, uh, Mark Sayers, I think is the pastor in there. Tagline as the church is, it's not about you. That's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not about you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first uh, word of the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a, this is a community. I mean, religion is not the word that we like to use, but it's a community religion. It's a community faith. In your mind... What happens to a person, you know, because there's kind of the motivation, you know, as somebody looks in the word, like, here's all the benefits to what will happen if I'm in community. And we're always really careful here to not over promise. You know, it's not our job to give a sales pitch to people, you know, to tell them, like, if you're part of a small group, if you're part of a life group, all of your wildest dreams are going to come true. Like, they're going to be there for you every time you move. They're going to be there to encourage you whenever you need encouragement. You might go through some of the biggest dramas you've ever gone through in your church life, in your life group. I, I hope not, but it's possible because you're putting human beings together. But even that is shaping and molding and uh, disciplining and sanding off edges in your own life and character. And it might be that God is putting you there so that you can be used to help bring peace to a, you know, fragile or fractured situation. But from the other angle, um, uh, not just what are the benefits of being in one, what happens to a person? I notice here in your notes, you have something about if we are not in Christian community, what, what might happen then? You know, what's the danger, in other words, of saying, you know what, not for me. I, I'm just not one of those folks that needs Christian community. If we're not in community, we are left to our own devices, right? We are left alone 
we are isolated we and i i don't mean to paint this like super bleak picture but i imagine that many who maybe even are listening now that don't have friends and community like that's what you feel like you feel those things and it's just a reaction it's a it's a byproduct of our design like god designed us to be together and so when we're not we feel it Mm. and i think about um just how when we're left without that accountability without that support we don't we miss out on the opportunity to grow on the opportunity to be refined yeah on the opportunity to be um the person that God wants us to be. Mm. So God's powerful and he can do that on his own, but he chose in his sovereignty by his design to not do it on Mm -hmm. his own. So, I mean, he in and of himself is community, right? In the God, the father, son and Holy spirit. And so from even who he is, he's teaching us how to be. Yeah. I think about just even my own experience. I, in marriage, I'm a different person, right? Because of the community Mm -hmm. that I have, praise the Lord, with my husband. (laughs) Um, And then with my life group, I'm a different woman. Uh, Also, praise the Lord. (laughs) I I think about like a significant season of transition that I had with my career. Coming, going from the last place where I was working to Calvary, that was a significant shift for me. And in our life group, there was another person going through a similar shift. And um, that was really helpful for me to just talk through that with him and share like the raw emotion (laughs) that, uh, that we were both trying to process, you know? But doing that like in the group too added another beautiful dynamic. Um, I think of another woman who just started to, in the group, who just started to go on walks with me Mm -hmm. uh, in that season. And I mean, she had her own stuff too. I had my stuff. We just brought it together and then just walked through it together. Literally like in the streets of Seaside with her, my dog, her child. It was great. But I just... Think about those moments and how if I didn't pursue a life group, if I didn't make that choice, take that next step, those things couldn't have happened. Mm. And I'd be in a much worse place mm. than I am today. Mm. Nobody would want to hang out with me. <laughs> for, for me, it just kind of reminds me of, you know, I've, I've been in a life group from the, from the very beginning and uh, you know, there's just times that you're, you're sitting there in the living room during, uh, maybe it's the discussion time, maybe it's the prayer time, maybe it's just, you know, kind of hanging out. Here at Calvary, uh, we do life groups. We do also a second thing called growth groups that we don't publicize as much as we publicize uh, life groups or administrate as much as we do. And so I was wondering if you could tell us uh, how does our life group ministry work? How's it organized? How's it designed? And what do we actually do in the groups? Sure. So it's designed to make the big church feel smaller. So instead of coming to a service of a few hundred people, you're coming to an individual's home of a gathering of 10 to 14, right? Yeah. You can have much more intimacy, much more um, just fun and interaction in that setting. Mm-hmm. And um, 
have the opportunity to be committed to each other for a series of about 12 to 14 weeks. Okay. So the group is, they kind of will commit to the group and they're in that group for that quarter. And a lot of people will stay years later and stay in that group, but it's not like a drop in drop out kind of thing where on week seven, you've got a new person coming in. That's your kind of your committed group for the most part. For the most part, there might be the occasion where we have somebody come in in week four or something really gung ho to jump in and we don't want to turn them away. Right. So we try to find the right spot for them. Um, I think for leaders out there, it's a really um, fine balance to manage, right? Mm -hmm. Wanting to make sure to maintain the community as it exists. um, But then also to honor the desire of growth, right? From the new person. So I, I would not say that there's any formula. There's certain recommendations, but ultimately the Holy spirit is the one who, you know, would help a leader make those decisions. You have your rule of thumb, but there's exceptions and we're trying to be obedient to the Lord and all of it. And I, I think I've seen that like, yeah, you know, around week six or seven, people start opening up to each other. That'd be a really hard time to have a new person kind of come to the group. And now you're getting to know a brand new person all of a sudden. Have you found there's a reason why that kind of 10 to 14 person range? Is that like the, uh, just a good number? Like why, why, why that way is that homes aren't big enough to house more? Like what if there's a group of 20 people? Like, why is that a good number to you? It's a good number because it allows for a good amount of interaction, right? For a good amount of conversation, for people's voices to be heard, for relationships to be made. Um, If you think about just the smaller you get, the less you can hide, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? I mean, and then the more opportunity for you to just engage with the people around you. I mean, think about even a Sunday morning when you go in and sit in the group of hundreds of people versus when you come into a a living room where there's 10 to 14. So uh, that also gives you a little wiggle room for people to maybe miss a few Mm -hmm. if they have to for whatever reason. We definitely encourage people to make it a high priority, but sometimes kids get sick or sometimes work comes up or life happens, right? So we live life together in these groups and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, so you're saying if we have a group of eight people and then uh, a couple of uh, married couples that week, oh, our kids got sick at school, now you're down to four that week, and that can be kind of an awkward discussion time, not as robust as if you had 12 people in the group and those same four were gone. Well, you still have eight people there, and you'll probably still have a pretty good discussion. So I we will make, say, oh, I was going to say just at the same token, um, I've had life group leaders give testimony that in those smaller meetings, they're even more in yeah. depth. So I think that just depends on where your group's at. It could be awkward yep. <laughs> if you're earlier on in your relationship and don't quite know how to take those steps uh, just yet. But, you know, it can be really awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, that's so good. I mean, for, for any leader that is listening to just really remain, uh, flexible and open to the spirits leading in whatever configuration you're dealing with that week, uh, a few weeks ago in our life group, 
we had one of those real small turnout nights, you know, just lots going on. And there's lots of little kids in our group and a lot of them were all sick at the same time. So the attendance of the group was super low and there was kind of like a little chatter, like, well, are we even going to really meet tonight? You know, are we really going to even go through the material? You know, we could just like play a game or something and that would have been fine. You know, it would have been fun still, but I was so proud of our leader. He just really stuck with it and said, no, I, I, I really think that we need to go through this material tonight. And some stuff happened that night in the discussion that was really important to have happen. And it could even be on some of those nights that maybe somebody is ready to share something that they're not really ready to share with everybody, but they want to talk to you as the leader about it. So being prepared and just accepting whatever happens that night. So we will uh, have these two quarters each year. So you're talking about two 12 to 13 week uh, sessions. And you like to make a big deal. We like to make a big deal about them leading up to them, right? So we're trying as best we can to really like leave no stone unturned. You have no excuse for not knowing about these groups. We're really broadcasting it heavily. That's kind of part of our thing as well, right? As we're organizing it. And so we get everybody in them and tell me about, so, so that's kind of the structure. Tell me about, um, with the life groups, what kind of percentage are you hoping we get to of our, you know, there's our Sunday gathering. Of course, we'd love to have a hundred percent of the people that are there also committed to a group, but we've learned that that's not really realistic. Uh, on top of that, for me as a lead pastor teacher, I'm hoping for 20, 30% of the people that are there on Sunday to not yet know Jesus. So they're probably not ready to commit to community with other Christians yet. They might want to investigate, but most of them won't be ready for that. So we're not hoping for a hundred percent, but is there a percentage in your mind? What are you hoping for? More. More. <laughs> I know. Um... And that's probably just part of my personality. I will always want more than whatever we have. I don't want us to think that we've ever arrived. Um, cause I don't think we ever do, Yeah. but we're currently at about 50%, mm -hmm. which is amazing yeah. for a church. Yeah. If you think about 50% participation for a church, our size, I mean, we have about 350 people mm -hmm. in the ministry yeah. and that's incredible. Um, I would love to see more. I would love to see 60, 70, 80%, right? Yeah. What I think, and I think we could get there. I think it's um, in huge part to how we structure the ministry and what opportunities we give people to take the step they're ready to take. But I think an even bigger part, it's just the movement of the Holy Spirit. So it's our leadership, our um volunteers being committed to the Lord in prayer and to the work of discipleship. Hmm. So the groups are semi-closed. We always want more people to be involved in them. Um, and I'm with you. I'd love to see that percentage get higher and higher, although 50% is awesome. Um, but one of the challenges I've seen is that 
we have these two big launch seasons for us it's kind of august and then february because we start them in september and march um and then they kind of go quiet like there's not a lot of chatter about them not a lot of talk about them and not a lot of on-ramps for people to join it's like if you come to the church in march well the next time we start a life group is going to be in september so you're kind of out of luck so We've had to think about different strategies or ways to have community for people, um, on-ramp, connect points, intro to Calvary classes, things like that. But what are some things that you have also added to the life group ministry that have made it a little more possible for people to kind of come midstream and after the beginning of a quarter? Yeah. So there's two programmatic things and then a third just culture and vision thing I think that we've set up that have mm-hmm. been really helpful. Um, so one is the mid-quarter group that starts at week seven and runs through the end of the quarter and we promote that just like we would uh, at the start of the quarter to the church yep. as an opportunity to be introduced to the life groups ministry. It's a six-week commitment. Um, it's a much lower bar. We do actually allow people to come in and out of that group. Okay. Um, we encourage them to commit for six weeks, but if they can only come for one or two, we see that as a win because we want them to just get their feet wet, just have the experience and get the taste of that group. Then there are people who come like, for example, in Monterey, we have a very high percentage of military families Mm -hmm. coming through, right? And so quite often each quarter we'll have a percentage of military families engage in this mid-quarter group because that's when they're moving to the area and able to jump into community. Mm -hmm. So it's a really great middle step or um, next step for people that aren't quite ready to jump all the way in. The other thing that we have just started doing this year is called the Connect Group. And it's a hybrid between our life group ministry and our connect ministry. It actually runs year round. Okay. Without, with a few exceptions, right? A few breaks. But for the most part, our goal is to have it run year round on a Sunday afternoon, like right after the services. So that if somebody comes on a Sunday morning, says, I want to get connected, we can invite them right there and then that day to the connect group. And so we've seen it work we have been so blessed by the way by the leadership the and the partnership between the two ministries it's been awesome and god's just been showing us how much he wants this opportunity to be given to his people to mm-hmm. jump in that same day when they're saying yes to jesus by sitting in that pew mm-hmm. <laughs> right we want to also give them the opportunity to say yes to his church in that same day when he's moving in their heart in their mind and just make that connection that same day so those are two like programmatic things you can do i think mm-hmm. to help people those are great yeah those are great you mentioned though that there was a a third non-programmatic thing. Right. I think it's been important for us to establish a culture among our volunteer leaders of discipleship um, and just compassion. So while there are designs and structures that we've put in place, I always encourage our leaders that if they have a friend or someone they know that they can bring into their group, like go ahead and do that. We don't want to stand in the way at all to anyone's growth. And so that's why we want to try and do as much as we can at any given point throughout the year 
to get people into community. Yeah. So it's, it's helping leaders catch the vision for what you're doing, um, help them understand the ministry they've been given, right? So uh, the responsibility to their group. Um, there are some leaders that I approach mid-quarter and they're like, actually, it's not a good time. We've got a, God's moving in significant ways in our group, bringing somebody else in right now. I just don't feel like the Lord's leading us to do that okay, great. So then I move on to a different group or that person jumps into the mid quarter or the connect group. Like there are options. Um, and then there's also been stories where like just the other week I was uh, approaching a women's group in Salinas. I said, Hey, I've got a lady who lives in your area. She wants to jump into your group. They thought about it. They were like, heck yeah, bring her in. Beautiful. (laughs) And, And so she was able to jump in, you know, in week three or four, even though she missed the initial boat, Mm -hmm. you know, at the start of the quarter. So, uh, but that's, that's cause the, the leaders were, they're committed to their role in the church, you know, to, to knowing what it is that the Lord's called them to and to carrying that out. I love that. That's, it's my dream that these life group leaders would, because I mean, I love them so much. They're the heroes of the church to me. And my dream is that they would feel empowered to when we gather together in our large gatherings to be on the hunt, you know, to be looking around saying, you know, who are the people that they're demonstrating the obvious signs of disconnection? You know, they're looking around, they're standing by themselves, they're sitting off in the corner, they're leaving early, they don't know where the bathroom is, like where, what are the, obvious signs and then to approach them and to uh, talk to them and you know they might not be a candidate for your group they might end up living be living in a different area that they'd be a candidate for a different group but to have that kind of recruiter like let's pull them in mentality I love that that's so great so uh, there's a secondary uh, group structure that we have as well and we're all about life groups And so we've spent a lot of time talking about them because to us, they're kind of like the first big level of connection in the church. But we also have a thing called growth groups that exist. And I was wondering if you could talk about those a little bit. What are growth groups and how do they operate? Growth groups are also small groups, but they're even smaller. So they're three to five. Uh, members and they're typically single gendered right so of men or women and they meet together based on their own schedules the church does not match them or put them together they find each other Mm -hmm. and they pursue this journey of discipleship together in a peer-to-peer connection that um, goes through three rhythms scripture sharing and prayer so it's a structure that is I guess given by the church, but not managed in any way by the church. Life groups, you've got the weekly curriculum coming in, growth groups, they are picking a book of the Bible or you know a Christian author to read through and discussing that and what's going on in their lives. So it's, it's that next step that's even deeper than what you can get in life groups. Mm-hmm. Um, What I would love to see in our church at some point is for enough people to understand the difference, right, between a growth group and a life group, and for there to be this just natural sort of 
rhythm and flow between the two, Hmm. right? So you might be, and actually one of our um, leaders has been experimenting with this already. Okay. So he gathers his life group, right? And he goes through the life group curriculum for the quarter, but then um, throughout the way, he's keeping an eye out for people who might be a good match with each other or even with him to then start a growth group Mm -hmm. for the next six months after that, right? And then, so it's just like he's getting deeper and deeper with these guys, you know? And then once that growth group is done, he's like, okay, you guys are all equipped, out Mm -hmm. you go. And then he starts the life group again, right? And kind of um, can just bounce back and forth the two uh, for the purpose of making disciples. Yeah, I love that. So the, the in the growth group, because you've got, uh, you know, this, you're in the same gender, you're sitting in, you're sitting in a, a call, perhaps it's a Zoom call, perhaps you're meeting someplace, coffee shop or whatever, but you're with, if you're a woman, you're with all women, or if you're a man, you're with all men. Um, there tends to be like an openness and because it's smaller, you're also, you know, really focused. Um, and the discussion is different. So in the life group, we didn't really touch on this as much, but you're discussing the sermon from the previous Sunday. Generally, every once in a while, a group will do a little curriculum or something. My group's doing a parenting seminar right now, uh, so that we can get a little parenting tune up. But for the most part, we're discussing the text and the teaching from the previous Sunday, answering questions, discussing the text, but in the growth group, we're doing something different. In, in my group, the way we say it is we say we're doing an MVP and we're doing the good, the bad, and the ugly. So our MVP is our most valuable passage from the previous week. So there's three of us in our group. So each man takes about 15 minutes. And the MVP, he just shares, hey, I read this in my quiet time this last week. This is how it resonated with me. And it was my most valuable passage this week. And here's why. And then the good, bad, and the ugly is here's what's going well in my life, kind of things I'm celebrating and that I'm thankful for, prayers that God is answering, you know, stuff that's going well. Uh, the, the bad is stuff that's hard in life, obstacles, difficulties, trials I'm facing, big decisions that are in front of me. And then the ugly is the old sin, the temptations, the stuff I'm battling personally. And we go through each one of those, and then whoever's next to share just prays a short prayer for the guy that just prayed, and then the next guy shares. And we just kind of take our time. And uh, the group that I'm in, we actually just do that online. So it's real easy for us to find a time to be able to meet. And it works. It's kind of a funky thing. You kind of don't think it's going to work. Like, no, you got to be together, you know. But the Lord's able. It really works. And it makes the times where we are in proximity to each other just so much better than if we weren't in that kind of connection and it's been really helpful so I'd encourage people to follow that model that you were laying out of yeah look around your life group that might be the place that you can populate that kind of thing now with the growth groups though you mentioned this we don't really administrate those we don't that's not like a thing that the church is involved in we're putting that on the people, right? Do they register? Do they say, Hey, I just want to let you know, I have a, a growth group going on or, or, or what, how does that work? Right. Good question. Uh, you certainly can register your growth group. We would love for you to do that, but we also don't want filling out a form to stand in the way of you getting your growth group in the air. So, um, 
my hope would be that we'd have some growth groups that register with us as many as would like, mm -hmm. but that honestly, it would just be contagious. Something that just flows through our church. That's not, it's just a, an understanding, a heart of discipleship that forms in our community, uh, in our church community. Awesome. Well, I was hoping I could ask you some questions to just kind of give us as a church, you know, for those who are listening to this, who are part of our fellowship, just some, a quick perspective on the health of the life groups right now. Um, I guess I'm trying to say some statistics. You did this at our recent uh, life groups leaders launch dinner uh, for the fall quarter. And I thought it was fantastic just kind of sharing the data. I'm a data person. I like knowing the raw numbers. So what's the current status of or statistics of our life group ministry? Yeah, the status report is healthy. We are doing good here. Um, we've got, like I said earlier, about 35 groups. Mm -hmm. What's cool about this is that we've got 30 returning groups wow. and five new groups, which I think indicates a solid foundation. Especially in the times that we're in. I mean, coming out of COVID and everything, it's been so tumultuous, people shifting around. So to have that many returning and remaining, that's great. It's huge. So then the other thing about our groups is that we have had started the quarter with 23 open groups and then 14 are, were either full or closed. So that just shows me again, a solid foundation in those, you know, 14 full groups, but also, uh, the, with the 23 open groups, I think it shows an eagerness in our ministry leaders to welcome more into mm -hmm. the groups. I just, I can't tell you how many times I'm telling them like, put your max as high as you can in your group, like get as many people in and open up to as many as you can. And that number just historically over time has gotten higher and higher mm. uh, of the number of open groups. That ratio has just been I love sh that. shifting to more yeah. and more open because I think our, our church is catching that vision. Yeah, and that's more than just the leader. That's the leader convincing their group, hey guys, this is a good thing. I know we all love each other, but wouldn't it be great to add somebody to this mix? That's yeah. beautiful. Absolutely. Um, so we have about 350 members across our church, which is about 50% of our church in total. And that's based on like the Sunday morning yeah, attendance, Sunday. right? As, as much as we can, can base mm -hmm. that on. Uh, we've got about 85 leaders and hosts uh, and nine coaches. So those are the leaders that are supporting those 350 members. Um, our leaders and hosts typically are paired, whether it's with their spouse or with another couple or mm -hmm. with another individual. We have very few, I think maybe one or two max that are leading on their own. Um, I think, and I mentioned that because it's really valuable to link arms yeah. with others in ministry because it can be hard. Yeah. And if we're leading community, how much more beautiful is it for our leaders to be in community also? Mm -hmm. So the other thing I'll mention is that our, we have about 17, so like half of our groups <laughs> that meet on Wednesdays. Oh my goodness. Which is hilarious, but I think speaks to what you were saying earlier about that desire for like a midweek service, right? Mm -hmm. That's, I think, what is on the heartbeat of many of these groups is to meet midweek mm -hmm. in the middle of the hustle and the bustle and the craziness, yeah. you know? Recharge. Yes. Yeah. So it's, 
great and also hard at the same time because if you can't meet on Wednesdays then you have fewer options but yeah we're working on that we I've will. always yeah I mean <laughs> you and I have chatted about this plenty of times I'm, I'm always hoping and wishing that we would have non-nighttime groups and like at funky locations you know coffee shops and uh, restaurants and parks and just you know office buildings where it's fitting into my life I've got you know 10 people that come over to my office at noon on Thursday or whatever. But as hard as we try to cast that vision, Wednesday night <laughs> tends to be when people choose. I love it. Um, yeah, it's kind of hilarious. So the other thing I would mention about what a, a, an indicator of health mm -hmm. is the cons we started um, what's called the leadership life group. And this is a life group that is designed to build up leaders within the life group's ministry. And I mention it as a marker of health because we tried it out with a pilot group and it never stopped. It kept going. There's mm -hmm. a continual desire for people in our church to be leaders and hosts in life groups, to mm -hmm. figure out what it means for them to be engaged in this ministry in different ways. And so... This is a, an example of another stepping stone that we had um, because I think we were noticing it was kind of challenging to get leaders um, every quarter without like just kind of jumping from zero to hero <laughs> you mm. know, really fast. And so this leadership life group provides that intermediary for people who are interested but aren't, don't quite have the confidence and, and need maybe a little more training. So for the first six weeks, we are our own life group mm -hmm. and we ha we go through the life group questions. So you're learning by experience, but then there's also leadership questions added in there, whether it's leadership principles we're uh, studying in the text or practical questions like, hey, this is a really tough one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How would you manage this question as a leader and yeah. or what did, you know, Janine, the leader do <laughs> that stood out to you about how it was? approached yes how could this go wrong right it's a case study analysis opportunity um so we do that for the first six weeks and then the second six weeks we become the leaders of the mid-quarter group okay so we are again practically leading out and having hands-on experience as leaders together in a yeah. safe environment in community with each other um and when you join this leadership life group there's no requirement that you have to lead act in you know after the life group itself but oftentimes people do in one way or another mm. um i've had people come through that have said you know actually this is a great experience but it's not for me okay yeah great that was the agreement we made <laughs> but then i've also had people come through partner up with each other and then go ahead and start new life groups um, and new adventures together. So that's great. It's been really exciting. Concept. Yeah. And I, I would highly recommend it for any ministry leader out there looking to, um, develop leaders in their small groups ministry, figure out a way for them to come alongside of you, you know, mm -hmm. with hands-on experience. Um, yeah. I love these little additions because you know, I'll mention it at the very end of the podcast, but there was a book that 
we used at our initial launch of life groups that has helped us and tons of churches greatly in designing what we were going to do. But I didn't read anything about those things, the connect group and the leaders group. So I love that. However you came up with those ideas, that's, that's beautiful. So I was hoping we could close Janine by, um, just me asking you the question, what you'd like to see happen in our groups over the next uh, couple of years, you know? I know that you want to see more people in groups, but we're about so much more than the numbers. What What is it that you're hoping occurs? We are. We are about so much more because we're about what the Lord has for us. Yeah. We want to see Jesus famous in our groups. And I think what that means is that we, as ministry leaders, as volunteers, as members, every single one of us, has the heartbeat of God in discipleship, in growth, in our personal spiritual growth, and in trusting Him. I just want to see an eagerness in our leaders, in our members, to be in each other's lives, to be in community, to trust God for the big things and the little things. Yeah. So it's what I'm hoping for. Yes, it's more. It's the numbers, but it's so more in quantity more people in our ministry we say um without fail there's this line in every promotion that we do for life groups like we hope that everyone in our church will be in a life group i will not stop saying that i will say it till i'm dead but (laughs) the heart change that i would love to see is just more intensely pursuing each other more more intensely pursuing discipleship in the church and trust in the Lord for all these things. So I was reading actually in my devotionals this morning in Jeremiah, Whew, Jeremiah, <laughs> it's intense, but there's these like beautiful little nuggets that are thrown in mm-hmm. throughout the different chapters of judgment and discipline that give us hope. Mm-hmm. So in chapter 32 verses 39 through 41, uh, it says, I will give them a singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and all will then go well for them and for their children after them. I'll make an everlasting covenant with them. Never stop doing good to them. I will inspire them to fear for me so that they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in them doing good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and my soul. So I just love this passage. There's so much <laughs> that I could pull out of that that I want to hope, want and hope for our life groups ministry and want to see develop in the next few years. But if I could pull out anything, it would be that singleness of heart and yeah. action. Yeah, I think it sounds to me, if I'm hearing you right, that you, your greatest fear would be for a life group leader or a tender to put life groups in the program category. What you want them to do is put it in the lifestyle category and that this is just, this is how I live. This is how I live my life, not just on uh, those 24 Wednesday nights a year, uh, but that is emblematic of just what I'm intending to do at all times and how I want to live my life. So I love that. Well, Janine, thanks so much for spending time with us today and talking about this very, very important subject. And 
um, as we've been talking, I've just thought to myself a couple of times, I think this is going to be helpful to people in our church, but I also think it'll be a great resource that's just there for other churches. You know, as I get out and about and people ask me, you know, hey, how are you guys doing things? Uh, this will be a great episode to be able to hand to them, to give them a discussion about the model that we've chosen to follow. I'm curious if you have any uh, closing encouragements for just people out there that are thinking about community or in it, or how would you encourage us? I would just say, think about what your next step is towards community, pray about it and do it. Hmm. It's there's so many different ways that you can somehow jump into community. And I just would encourage you to do it. Like, just do it is what I'm saying. Yeah. Just do it. And would that be your same encouragement for church leaders that are out there? A hundred percent. Think about where you're at and do it. <laughs> well, and think about where your flock is at. Think about where your people are at, yeah. right? Think about, that's how I think a lot of these different programs or structures came about is because I was trying to figure out, okay, where are they at and how can I get to them? Yeah. <laughs> right? How can I help them? What is their next step? What are their fears? What are their concerns? What are their um, hold hangups, you know, what's holding yeah. them back yeah. and, um, how can we help tear down those barriers and just help them walk right in? Yeah. I love that. Well, our church has, you know, relationships and partners, partnerships with other churches that are out there. We're part of the Calvary global network and uh, we love serving that network uh, as much as we can. So as time allows, you know, obviously we're not just, uh, church consultants, but as time allows, you know, I'm, I know that you would be willing, uh, if somebody really had some, you know, questions and was looking for some guidance about getting something like this launched or tuned up in their church, I'm sure you'd make yourself available uh, to them. So you guys can just reach out to us at calvary.com and, and, uh, get connected with Janine that way. If that's something that would be helpful to you again, uh, as her schedule allows, but uh, just kind of wrapping it up, Janine, do you have a, a book recommendation uh, for us that would be helpful? I do. One of my favorite books of all time is called Praying God's Word by Beth Moore. Hmm. And I love this book because it gave me a discipline more than just food for thought, right? Yeah. It gave me ideas about how to literally pray back to the Lord what is in his word. Yeah. So, and it's something that I use when I disciple others. Um, it's a, it's a book that you can read cover to cover, but you can also pick up and read just a chapter at a time, um, out of order, you know, it's, so it's, it's, it's a reading book, but it's also a resource book. Yeah. I love that. I, I haven't read that book, but, um, Donald Whitney wrote a book on the same subject that, yeah, to me, that was just such a fascinating um, template or style of prayer and beautiful and about as biblical as you can get, you know, just totally. looking at the words, seeing it, thinking about it, meditating on it, and then letting prayers be fostered from that is really helpful. I think I do it every day in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, that's a great recommendation. I'll recommend today uh, the book Sticky Church by Larry Osborne. It's been a while since that book came out. It's not a, a new book by any stretch of the imagination, but Larry Osborne is is going the distance. He's, he's doing a great job. He just keeps on trucking. 
But uh, he wrote this book to basically describe the small group ministry at their church in San Diego. Very different kind of church than ours, very different kind of area than ours. But when I read it, I thought, oh, this is great. This is, uh, this is a person who's gone before us in groups, kind of considered some of the um, landmines that are there and figured out a way how to navigate through them. And we applied a lot of the principles from that book into the way we do things here. So for those church leaders that are considering it, you know, is this something I want to do? I think that'd be where I would start and uh, check that book out. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Jesus Famous Podcast. And Janine, thanks so much for being on the show today. It was great chatting with you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. We'll have to do it again, uh, either on this subject or another subject. But uh, for those of you listening, thanks for coming this far. Please uh, rate and review us and share us if you're enjoying what you see or hear here. It's definitely helpful. But uh, otherwise, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. God bless you guys. Bye.